about let's, this. This is going to be a good discussion. Hold on, we're recording, and Chris, get ready to clap. You ready? All right, I'm clapping. In three, two, one. Okay. That was a good clap. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. Web Comics Weekly. We're bowling into it because we have a limited amount of time. Yeah, and, 20, we, got a, and we got a fire under our butts. We got a fire in our butts. Today, we're going to talk about Nina Paley. Nina yeah. Paley is a cartoonist. First of all, I'm Sky. That's Brad. That's uh, Chris over there. There's hey. Dave. You know us. Fucking listen to last week's podcast if you want more detail. All right. Um, <laughs> Nina Paley. Nina Paley is a cartoonist. She used to do some syndicated strips. And more recently, in 2000 and uh, bull something, uh, she did a movie called Citizen Sings the Blues, which has led to her current content, which is whining about copyright. Now, <laughs> Nina, um, in 2002, she moved to, to India because her husband took a job there, and, and uh, she was visiting New York on business cons- concerning her comic strip, The Hots. Um, and while she was visiting New York, her husband terminated their marriage. Eesh. So she could not return to either uh, India or San Francisco. I'm not sure why. But she moved to Brooklyn. And her personal crisis caused her to see more deeply into an Indian epic called the Ramayana, which she had, uh, she had encountered in India. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. And that motivated her to produce a short uh, animation work which combined an episode of the Ramayama with a torch song that was recorded in 1929 by Annette Hanshaw called Mean to Me. So she took this song, Mean to Me, which spoke to her, and one of the episodes of the Ramayana, and she combined them. And then she added more stuff to it, and now it's called Citizens the Blues, and they expanded it into a feature-length film, and, uh, and uh, it was sent to a film festival and stuff. So what ended up happening is Nina did not clear the right to Henshaw's recordings of that song. And it caused her years and years and thousands, I think... It's tens of thousands. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. In, in, uh, in legal fees? Is that what you're saying? Originally, they said, you can't use the song, you owe us $200,000. And she worked it down to about fifty. But I'm That's sure she right. paid a ton of legal fees, too. And so now Citizens the Blues is under a copy left license and you can distribute it yourself and so Nina's big push right now Wait a minute, is that really a thing, copy left? Yes. Yeah, absolutely copy right. Yeah. You've never heard of copy left? I've never heard of that. Okay. What a well, fruity So <laughs> Nina Nina's new thing now is how censorship Adley. or how <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now, copyright is censorship and um, impeding culture. And she's made a couple little internet films about it. One of them is called Copying is Not Theft. I'm not going to play it, uh, even though I can legally. But um, I'll read you the lyrics um, and, and kind of sing it myself. Uh, but this is she wrote this. This is, this is her philosophy in a nutshell. Um, copying is not theft. Stealing a thing leaves one thing left. Copying makes one thing more. That's what copying's for. Copying is like not good theft. Night, moon. <laughs> if if I copy yours, <laughs> uh, hold on a second. I'm gonna tuck myself in. <laughs> Here, get ready, Chris. I got Copying a cup of warm milk. Copying is not theft. <laughs> if I copy yours, you have it too. One for me and one for you. That's what copies can do. <laughs> if I steal your bicycle, you have to take the bus. But if I just copy it, there one, there's one for each of us. But there's not. <laughs> not really, because it's not Star Trek times and we can't copy a bike. It's not a, a post-need society. Um, there's no way to there's no way to copy a physical object. That's the problem. Is that her entire argument is like, what if we could make enough food for the world? Yeah, I, okay, that's great. But we're talking about intellectual property, not not meals. Oh, Chris, don't you, you should listen to Nina. There is no such thing as intellectual property. You cannot own an idea. It's everybody's. I, I can. <laughs> um, I anyway, my, making yeah. more of a thing is what we call copying, and sharing ideas with everyone is why copying is fun. Then she made a second video, which was a little more ambitious, and it took statues, ancient statues from all these different cultures, 
that are seemingly unconnected, right? Because of the time in the yeah. ancient world, there was no internet or connectivity. Okay. And she just essentially runs through them on a continuous loop where they just kind of go over each other. Kind of like when you take 80 pictures of the Paris Hilton and... Right. Oh, and uh, it, she has the same smile. Yeah, right. And so what you see is that in every culture, the same statues are essentially being made. And, and it's called all creative work is derivative. Now, okay, here's so where like they all have arms. Exactly. In other People words, like to make statues with faces. Typically, she sure. cannot. She what she's saying is that copyright is is um, censorship and impedes culture. There and, are... and that all work is derivative. Now, what I don't understand is how she can make both those arguments. I don't understand. The thing is that I, I'm not going to pretend that I fully comprehend what Nina Paley is saying, but her argument is so baffling and incorrectly stated that I don't think it's possible to know what her argument actually is. <laughs> she says, uh, like, for example, I mean, even in the song, not that the song is her, her manifesto and should be, you know, I'm sure it requires a lot more explanation, but she says copying is not theft, uh, we, that sharing is good for everyone, but copying is not sharing. I, as the person with the thing, it's my prerogative to share it or not. I can right. share my work, and you can then use it, or I cannot share it, and then it's mine to use. If you just take it, that's not sharing either. Maybe yeah. it's not stealing in the case of intellectual property, but it's not sharing. Well, she made a blog post. I'm not really sure. This was March 18th of 2009, and she said, my official position on copyright. She says, now that I'm a full-time free culture activist, so she admits it. This is her content now. Some have expressed concern, you don't think there should be any copyright at all. You want to take my right away to protect my intellectual property. She says, let me assure you that's not true. I completely support your right to copy restrict your works. The more you copyright restrict access to your work, the more wide open the field is for free culture like Citizens the Blues. Open licensed work has a tremendous competitive advantage over copy-restricted work. So by all means, please protect your property. See you on the other side of success. Nina, why don't you just get some therapy and work through these problems? Why are we suffering for this? what this man did to you? <laughs> I, don't under, I still don't understand what the competitive advantage is. Is the advantage that it can be proliferated more easily because you also don't have control over it and now you – okay, so now it's everywhere. Yeah, but you cannot like, get money out of it. That sounds like the broad, the broad argument is that, yeah, it, go, it goes broadly. It's, it's akin to what we would say uh, the webcomics model is, which is to give it away for free and then to monetize side objects related to it, I'm sure. You know? Yeah, my, well, yeah. My, my complaint about that is the idea that if that's the case, then anybody can create a side object that they could sell. Well, that's that's the thing, and this is a uh, this is a broader uh, in in the in the burgeoning world of three D printing. This is a, m a more interesting discussion that's going to be happening more and more. Is is Ooh. what kind of object can be owned and what kind of idea can be owned? And the simple fact is, culture the the entire reason why the British and and then later the the U S systems adopted copyright and patents is because. It, it broadly speaking, it, it encourages new ideas. It doesn't it doesn't deflate new ideas. It encourages people to put ideas out there and say, "This is for the culture to share and to and to use and to enjoy." But for a limited time, I own it. You know, and and so there is recompense for having created and putting the idea out there. Well, that's actually an interesting idea that copyright actually encourages creativity. But I but I thought you were going to take it another way. In well, no, because I mean, think about it. Think about it in terms of the Chinese DVD market, Brad. Right. So, like, if you know that, like, I'm producing this this um, comics documentary with with Fred, right? And the final product is going to cost somewhere between fifty and eighty thousand dollars. I mean, that's a huge sum for me to to put out, right? But the fact that I know that I own it for X number of years, that copyright uh, on that work, I will produce the work. But if I was living in the Chinese market, knowing that I would have virtually no legal protections to go after DVD rippers or to go after copyright infringers, then I probably would not produce that copyrighted work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I, but taking it another direction, when you said that uh, copyright actually encourages creative, creative growth, one of Nina Paley's uh, 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 central standpoints is that copyright as it is now stifles uh, culture. And and actually, it, it it's interesting to think that actually copyright <clears throat> has encouraged more creative growth 
than anything because all that time that I was spending not doing Superman, I was spending creating my own characters. In other words, if I had the open ability to take Mickey Mouse and run with that, I'm never actually creating to the best of my ability, my oh, own that's, stuff. That's an interesting idea, too. I hadn't thought about so that. So in a certain yeah. way, copyright encourages uh, uh, more creativity, right? That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Well, yeah. but if you read Mickey Mouse and you're inspired by Mickey Mouse, um, you can still do Mickey Mouse and the culture it benefits from. The, the cultural benefits of you doing what was inspired by Mickey Mouse is identical to if you just got to do Mickey Mouse. Yep. Uh... So let's say that you're looking at Mickey Mouse and you're like, God, this Mickey Mouse thing, I have so many great stories for this character that I just can't do unless I have access to this character. Bullshit. <laughs> well, no, right. okay, listen, there is, there is truth to that because history has shown, the, the cultural history uh, has shown again and again that great work can come out of other great work. For example, if you look at most of Shakespeare's stuff, it's all, uh, the, the huge chunk of it comes out of the Italian Decameron. Right, like Shakespeare copied that and then made it better, so there's there's no argument that you can make art better, um, and, and that's why copyright should have term limits on it, and that's why so many people get pissed at Disney and the Mickey Mouse Protection Act in in the early '90s because it should not a, a corporation should not have unlimited use to uh, or access to a sole access to a copyright forever because there is benefit to eventually. Every artist getting a crack at that character, you know, or that story. Like how the world is better because of all the different versions of Sherlock Holmes we've had over the years, you know. And even though, yes, the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle still argues it, it's kind of interesting to see all the different takes of Sherlock Holmes over the years. And that will happen with Harry Potter a hundred years from now, and that will happen with, you know, it's happened. Well, with but Hamlet. let me. But sir, here's the thing, though. I what I'm saying to you is, why do you need Sherlock Holmes? Because like, let's say that. Let's say that, and I'm not sure that it is, but let's say that Sherlock Holmes was completely locked down. Let's say that the Arthur Conan, uh, Conan Doyle estate owns it 100%. Right. And they're asking for millions to license it, right? right. That's not going to stop the TV show House from being made, and that is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, or how about like, what if Superman and Batman were gay? I want to find out more about that. What would happen then? Oh, I can't do that. But isn't the authority? Is that, yes, that, that is the right what one? the authority is. It's, in yeah, fact, and everybody knows that that's what that's what he's trying in, to do. In fact, when when DC bought Wildstorm, they put the kibosh on that comic. Yeah, I'm it sure went, it pissed I, them I off know, for for years. I don't know what the authority is. What's that? Wildstorm. So when Wildstorm, Jim Lee's um, uh, imprint with Image, they had a comic called The Authority, and it was basically a take on. On, Justice um, League. on the Justice League, right? It was like a, an adult version of the Justice League. So you had a Superman analog and a Batman analog and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And the, the guy, that, the Superman guy and the Batman guy, who, which was Apollo and the Midnighter, and Apollo mm. got his powers from the sun, they were gay. They were gay and they were together. And, and it, was, it, was a, an, a, it was an R-rated comic, essentially. It's what they call a widescreen comic. In other words, yeah, it's what they were calling them back then. But it was, I mean, it was a great comic. It was really, really an interesting look on superheroes. And, uh, but I mean, there's no, no one was reading that and not going, this is, this is Mark Millar going, what if Superman and Batman were gay and together? Right. And I'm not, yeah. And I don't think anybody would read it and go, this is horrible. And P.S. P.S. They were, P.S. They were great characters. It wasn't like. It wasn't a horrible parody of a gay person. It wasn't a joke. They were just together, you okay. know? Okay, thank you for giving that. Well, so let's get back to – the. the I, now that I understand that. Okay, the, and I would agree with you. House is Sherlock Holmes, and those two characters sound like it, it's it's no argument. The basic idea is is uh, Superman and Batman. I gotcha. And I would agree with you that that's, that's a very viable possibility for artists to explore is a parallel universe or a parallel. But there is cultural value in artists being allowed to – you guys would agree with this too. You're just you're, – you're a little stuck in the Nina Paley argument, but – um, no, 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 Dave. I'll come over. I, I, yeah, I agree, I'll come over too. I agree that a copyright shouldn't be infinite. No, I, I agree that I, too. I, as well. I think it's, I think it's silly, and I think when, that when if it wasn't guarantee- infinite, Disney could have moved away from using Mickey as their logo. Mickey hasn't done anything in no, no, and no, and 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 you're right to you're right to say like, what does culture need? Scott Kurtz or Dave Kellett being able to do Mickey Mouse? Like, there's no. 
right now we can't envision it, but as I guarantee you, as soon as Steamboat Willie goes into um, open public domain, you're going to see some really interesting stuff all over the world for that thing all of a sudden, you know? Really? Yeah, I guarantee you. You'll see just interest, and it might be nothing more than a two-minute YouTube short that brightens your day for a minute, but there, you'll see interesting stuff. You may not see you may not see Macbeth, but you'll see interesting stuff come out of that. <laughs> we walk outside and everyone's outside and hugging and, and, and you're like and they're like, Scott, drive to don't drive to the gas station, gas is free now. And I'm like, What happened? And then someone goes, Steamboat Willie's in the public domain, culture's <laughs> And in the background in the background you just hear <laughs> 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 but now and it's everyone, like a, it's like a dance hit now. Exactly, the entire the entire human race is weeping to the song of Steamboat Willie. No, but I mean, there's there's uh, there is benefit. There's there, this is why it's ridiculous that Disney is trying to perpetually protect it because there is benefit to other artists having a crack at a, at a character or a story or an idea because it's the equivalent to, I mean, characters and ideas and storylines are the are the equivalent of patented engineering parts to an engineer. And once those become in the public domain, new engineers take a crack at that part, and they refine the transmission, and they make the internal combustion engine better. So, like, Shakespeare uh, uh, made the Decameron better, and someone uh, somewhere will, will readapt and modify Sh uh, Sherlock Holmes and make it better. And 100 years from now, someone will reapply Harry Potter and make it more interesting to the times and, and different. And that's, that's the inherent idea of copyright is that – But is do, that they need, do they need the copyrighted – Harry Potter material to do that. I mean, like, 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 I, I don't see why you need those characters. I don't see why you can't take that concept and make it your own. Well, and that's it, true, and, and that's what that's every movie. Like, uh, I, I'm trying to think of all those teen movies that adopt, uh, like, The Scarlet Letter or uh, or Sherlock. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I know what you're saying there. That, and, I, I mean, and, I just, I guess, I, I, I guess, I just don't see how we need those things to fa fall into public domain. I, I, I honestly don't see how that advances. Because and, 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 so, because you're saying the essence, the essence is already there to be used for everybody, and that's fine. But, but I'm saying the ideas themselves. Some ideas are so strong that they need to get into the public domain eventually because. For lack of a better phrase, that shit's powerful, and artists can do cool things with it when they can get their hands on the actual. I think. You know, I, think I think we can all instance, agree. Give me, yeah. give me a for instance. Well, that's just it. Is that we may not be able to predict the for instance right yeah, now. Yeah, that's that's why. Because looking backwards, I I mean I could tell you that let's say for example let's say the one of the, the the biggest sources of story ideas in Western culture, the Bible. Let's say that was copyrighted, and you didn't have a crack at anything. Do you know how many stories in Western culture you would lose if that was copyrighted and you didn't have access to that? I mean, and, and another iteration would be Shakespeare, like two of the bigger foundational um, bodies of work in English language. Like you would, you would not be able to create so, or you you would not have seen. And the thing is, it's like Chris said, you wouldn't know that you missed it, you know, if if it wasn't already there. I so mean, look, like, let, me, let's me try to project forward how Steamboat Willie will make the world amazing. Is, well, is, well hold silly. on, we well, can okay, predict I, this. I can we see can... what you're saying. I mean, without without Shakespeare falling into public domain, you never get to the point where we are now, where we can have like Romeo and Juliet. Right, and you wouldn't have every student. And, and, no, no. All right, I know you're being a dick there, but, but uh, no. But you wouldn't have you wouldn't have every actor everywhere in the world being able to cut their teeth on the stage with a free license to a Shakespeare play, um, like you do now. You know that's important to every. Well, high okay, level. now that that I kind of get that because I if you get. notice, how many times have you ever seen uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera performed in a high school or a college? You've never seen it because he doesn't let anybody use it, right? No, you're right. That. No, that, that I will agree on, and that that's that's why copyright eventually has to become free because you have to let different artists take a crack at it eventually. You but know? David, I mean, it adds to the overall body. There, of there are public domain properties that we can look at and see how they've affected culture. You know, I mean, Shakespeare being one, but like Frankenstein's public domain, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think Shelley wrote it before. Yeah, she, yeah, she, Shelley wrote that before. Uh... Yeah, that's Frankenstein's public domain. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's yeah. not. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm seeing. Any, anything super awesome with that, except for the stuff that is derivative. You know what I mean? Like, like, like for example, um, what what is what would you? This is going to be a really an example that makes everybody laugh. But try to remember what you felt like when you saw it the first time, not if you caught it on cable now. Okay, but but imagine if in the '80s, instead of making short circuits, someone just remade Pinocchio straight. 
Mm-hmm. Short Circuit was a cool movie at the time. <laughs> it, it, you know what? It, it was. I, I remember really liking that movie. Or or even guys, guys. You know, I think we can all agree on that. Even <laughs> even Wall-E. in the public domain now. <laughs> guys, number five should be alive. <laughs> I got a I got a short circuit Care Bears crossover that demands to be told. If only I if only I could set it in a steampunk universe, then number. Look, look it's like it's like um, it's like if you talk to if you talk to um, well, like I was t- I had this actual discussion once. I was having. I think it was at a convention, and some we were discussing books, and someone said that they really need to catch up on the classics. Like he goes, you know, like I've never read Moby Dick, and I said, well, have you seen Wrath of Khan? And he goes, yeah. And I said, then you've read Ro- Moby Dick. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I just. I don't think. I'm. I'm not. I no, don't. Listen, I, I get what you're saying here too, but there's also the legal argument that you can have such defensive copyright that it would keep you from from oh, yeah. tapping into the essence of it. So like, sure, some if 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 Moby Dick was still in privately held, right, and someone produced the Wrath of Khan, um, there's depending on what jurisdiction you fall under, there are courts that would hear that case that maybe it had infringed on copyright. You know, here um, someone in the chat room just made the best case for you, Dave, and and it wins, and now I'm now on your side. If not for Frankenstein being in the public domain, we would never have had young Frankenstein. Now I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you now go. I am on board. No, I'm right. <laughs> but actually, but... I think that would have still made it okay because it's parody. Uh, well, it wouldn't have been able to be called Frankenstein for one thing. Well, it was called Frankenstein. <laughs> no, but listen, I think the thing that we can all agree on is the argument that everything has to be copyright free. Right on the outset. I mean, that's a ridiculous argument. That's yeah, pat- I think so that's too. That's patently ridiculous. Ha, <laughs> patently. That's patently ridiculous. <laughs> I, it's it's the the really sad thing is that I think Nina might have some good points to make. I think yeah. she loses them, and I think that well, I think that that's that's what I'm saying from the beginning. Like, there's there maybe there's a good argument under this, but I don't think she's making it. I do not think she's making a good case for what she's actually trying to say. Well, because I think that her case is. Uh, this was I had this was a horrible time in my life and I'm going to champion this the same way you know it's just like when uh you see a person who is um addicted to alcohol and then they get off of alcohol and now they're born again and they really just switch their addictions from alcohol to Christ you know right. now they're addicted to this thing now they now they have another obsessive thing and so it's like it's like um you know she had this really awful time and now she's moved to this. Now this is her thing. You're like it seems. It seems like that's the connection. It feels that way to me because I mean, like even on her website, it says you know the, her her website um, used to say um, official site of America's best loved unknown cartoonist, and now she's uncrossed the un. Now she's known mm. because oh. she's an activist and she's fighting. I, I don't know. It, it it leaves. I'm not. I'm not. That could all be shtick too. But it's leaving a bad taste in my mouth. It's certainly not helping your case with me. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, I think that the especially isn't. Wouldn't you say that maybe the the biggest way that this argument is getting out there of hers is that song. And I and I feel like the song does not do the job. It does not do the work. No, the job is not. Like the, all the, song the, like the, the symbology job. is all is bad. Like you, you remember the beginning of the video. If you go watch it, you can see the two very different characters kind of nicking pieces of each other and sharing them. And then at the end, they're the exact same character. What a treat! What a wonderful thing to strive for. Yeah, that's. What that's if a, my work could Chris, look exactly really like your point. work? <laughs> How about uh, that's an awful idea? And by the way, both characters are very, very reminiscent of Steamboat Willie. <laughs> that's true. They are. Well, they're they're that same kind. They, they of look like Oswald, white animation character. Yeah. yeah. So now Oswald's come into the public domain, right? Uh, Is he? Didn't that, didn't that happen recently? I think he did, but I don't know what happened with that because I know that Oswald is is uh ooh spoilers. Isn't he a isn't he a bad guy in that um, new Mickey video game? Relative, that no one, yeah, that no one, nobody liked. I tell you yeah. what, I get excited about, and it, this sounds cheesy, but it, but it shouldn't. Is that in about ten years we're going to get so many great songs from the jazz age starting to come into public domain, and you're going to see great remixes of that stuff. 
<laughs> is Oswald the Rabbit public domain? Answers.com says, Control of the character of Oswald the Rabbit belongs to Disney Corporation, who reacquired him in 2006 from Universal Studios as part of a compensation agreement allowing sportscaster Al Michaels to escape his Disney contract and sign with NBC. <laughs> yes. What a, that's a good trade. Assuming the necessary... <laughs> Assuming the necessary <laughs> renewals of copyright were filed, Oswald may be under copyright ownership until December 31st, 2022. So, Scott, what you're saying is Disney traded uh, for a useless cartoon character. They traded a misogynist sportscaster for a useless cartoon character. That sounds like a good corporate trade. I want to know so, my, yeah, so I want now to know copyright my is, Oswalds. So now, the fir- yeah. now copyright Jeez. goes from... His entire life is worth one Oswald. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Michaels, we got you out of there. Ah, yes, sir. All right, well, this enough about that topic. Anyway, right. oh, what do you got? What do you got? Enough about that topic. Everyone should feel free to redistribute this podcast. Um, for, for In fact, just re-record it with yeah. their own voices. And, and guys, everybody help yourself to skull. Go to town. <laughs> yeah, but just but say it's yours, and then you're furthering culture. Right, just assume that Scott wanted it to be free, that it's not his livelihood. Right. That's the safest exactly. Course. That's the safest course. Um, all right, ten fifteen. I'm gonna have to go in any minute. Should we try to <laughs> should we try to solve the art the concept of artist guild before I go? Or uh, uh, I feel like it's got. I, I'm gonna have to run pretty soon too. I feel like it's got enough meat on it that maybe we should make it a whole show. I, I think we should make it one show. Let's just let's just put this up and be done with it. Well, all right, before we go then, I just want to mention uh, Scott and Chris are having a uh, Kickstarter campaign. They are $36,000 at point at this point right now, maybe $37,000. Uh, so what is the tiny URL so I can say it on, on air here? Tiny Scott, URL. TV. Oh, tinyurl.com slash TV, and Chris is spelled with a K and That's one right. S. And, uh, this and, is actually um, Vantage Points. Um, oh, here's something we can fit in real quick. So um, one of the things people are asking, because it was about probably this time last year that I had a big snit um, on Twitter about feeling ooky about web cartoonists using Kickstarter. Um, and, and, and now here I am using it and having earned almost the 70% of our $50,000 goal in two, three days. Um, so a couple things that have happened since I originally talked about it. First of all, my position on Kickstarter originally was it really seemed like Kickstarter was this really cool way for people without reach to get something funded independently. Um, creatives who don't have the reach that maybe a web cartoonist has. And I didn't understand why a web cartoonist with more reach than these guys um, would want to use Kickstarter when they could just use their influence to to do pre-orders through PayPal or take out a business loan or something. Yeah. And much like I think web cartoonists f- all flocked to AdsDAC and wrecked it for a little bit, or any new online venture that one web cartoonist uses and every other web cartoonist flocks to it, um, I was worried about it kind of wrecking Kickstarter, which was um, was really a dumb concept that, now, because Kickstarter has grown so big, I'm not sure anyone could wreck it. Well, but, it you really... but you don't want to. The thing is that you don't want to spoil goodwill or or the sensibility that that this is an, actually an industry. For example, do you remember a long time ago when uh, Randy Milholland of Something Positive said everybody's complaining that this, and you want my strip on time and all that, uh, but I have a I have a day job too. If you contribute, I don't remember what his number was. It was like $20,000. If you donate it, I have enough readers that it wouldn't be a big deal for everybody to kick in a dollar. If you do it, then I will deliver you not only a, this next year uh, you know, on time, but I'll update more often and I'll, you know, I'll make a real go of it. Right, right, and he, right. And he got the money. Mm-hmm. He raised the money. And then all of a sudden, every cartoonist was coming out of the woodwork with like, hey, donate to me. I hope I make 40000 I hope I make 80000 and right, right, right. it just seemed like, ugh, all right, that's a bad trend, you know. Yeah. I mean the thing that I see that Kickstarter provides a big advantage because actually Fred and I are going to use it for the documentary is that it essentially PayPal, because of the contractual way that it handles credit That's the payment, other thing. I'm glad it, you're so, mentioning this. So PayPal 
Um, it used to be that you could pre-sell books before they were printed, take some of that funds to print the run, and then fulfill the orders when the books came in anywhere between 30 and 50 days later, right? Um, but the problem with PayPal is that the, the payment has to – or the, sorry, the, the, the thing has to be shipped and received within 30 days yeah. for, the, for the contract of the credit card exchange to be, to be valid. Um, so uh, a lot of these what would, would, would traditionally be called pre-orders are no longer workable in the PayPal system because they're really starting to enforce it. But what Kickstarter does and, and what you guys are doing with the DVD and what Fred and I are going to be doing with our DVD is that – you can say, look, donate 20 25 bucks. We will ship you the full DVD, including shipping, when we're done. So you're essentially pre-ordering, which I think is a very valid way to, to do a hugely funded project like this. You know, It's a great, it's a great way to do it. it. So explain to me, did the PayPal stuff – because I was under the impression that it was always that way, and we just got away with it because at the time – Yeah, we did. And, and okay. so now they're, they're cracking down on it. Is it a law? so, probably. Is it, um, is it a law that you can't take money for something unless it ships in 30 days? I don't know, but my guess is that if you were to drill down into those huge credit card statements that you get, you know, those ones that the, – not the statements, but the sort of legalese that come when you first sign up with it, is that uh, the, in exchange for a credit card purchase that I will pay this credit card within – you know, when, when the statement comes in, that the things that I pay for are, are probably going to be honored and given to me within 30 days. You know, there's probably some legalese somewhere. Well, I there. mean, have you ever bought anything online and it says, do not worry, your credit card will not be charged until the item ships? Right, right. Yeah, so, I always just assumed that was a policy, but... Right, and that's why I think it's bigger than PayPal. I think it's a policy of credit cards. But it, anyway, the, the point being is that is that a lot of... A good resource that a lot of web cartoonists relied on for, for years is now being cracked down on, and probably rightly so. You don't want a cartoonist, and we've all seen them, that flake on pre-orders, you know? Yeah, no, um, yeah. So well, you, don't, you don't want that situation. It was when, when Vantage Point was like, we want to do a Kickstarter, I was like, oh, God, really? Because I'm worried about that. And then uh, they kind of educated me, I guess. But this was also at the same time when they came to us, and they're like, we should do pre-orders. I'm like, wow, I don't think we can anymore. I don't think anyone can do pre-orders anymore. Yeah. I think I, – I, I, and I think it bears saying too that, that it, is, it is Vantage Point's Kickstarter. <laughs> Scott and I do not see any of this money. In fact, the way that this <laughs> thing that, works – And that ties into next week's issue of Artist Guild. Yeah. I was going to say, in fact, the way this works, we may not see any money at all. So <laughs> that's – well, well guys, I mean, you guys, we, you guys we are finding what Fred and I are finding, which is that film is immensely expensive. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really funny, Dave, because when you were talking to us about the documentary and you were as friend between friends giving us details, I know Chris and I were like, "Come on, the fuck? Why is it that expensive?" You know. And then it's when you sit down with people that do it. Shit, I tell you what, I tell you what, if if film editing and making movies and documentaries is a third, a fifth, a tenth. Of the experience Chris and I had working for one weekend in DVD Studio Pro, you guys are no one's getting paid enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, editor editing is a miserable job. I don't. I have good for good good friends that do that, and I they edit Medium and a couple of the shows, and it's like I, they just sit there until four in the morning sometimes. Uh, it's just oh, that is miserable to me. <laughs> just struggling with software. It's such a bummer that we don't have more time because I really wanted to tackle this this uh, this idea of artist guilt. I think I think we can we can put we a pin in it because it, it fits it. with this it fits with this money subject. Too. If if things work out the way that we hope they do, we could be in L.A. next Wednesday. Oh yeah, that's for a, true. For a podcasting in oh, person. Shite! I forgot you guys were coming down. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we we could all be in the same room. Host? How about that for a good host? Oh, yeah, right. everyone that oh, yeah. we love can be in the same room. <laughs> all, all the people who cherish this physical plane. I hate you all. The whole gang, the true gang, all will right, be there. Right. Guys, all, when all that love is gathered in a room, then we can call Brad. <laughs> <laughs> it's the core three. Brad, I, I want you to know that, that the fact that you're not going to the Rubens really bums me out. I'm sorry. I, you know, it it bums me out too because only I, as, because only because I, when when I told when you I was gonna go, I feel kind of bad about that. No, no, no. Listen, I understand why you can't go. I looking at the price, I'm like, Bruh. but <laughs> you know, I've been bitching about this so much. I need to do it at least once. But um, when I when Jeff invited me, you know, and then Rick was like, no, I'd like to invite you as a guest. I thought, well, that's two invites. Maybe I can see if I can get Chris and Brad to come too. And so I said. Well, can Chris and Brad 
come as well? And the way Stromowski wrote it to Jeff, he goes, hey, since uh, Dave and Scott's coming, it's only fair the other two horsemen of the, of the comics apocalypse also come. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. And I was like, oh, if we all four were there, oh, what if we God. just... What if we just came in, just kicked a door open and walked in? <laughs> and then it's just the three of us. We're like, God damn it, David, come on. <laughs> and David's David, like, David is, not David is already in the room. He's having drinks and talking to everybody. What? We thought you were, oh, come on. We're all intentionally in slow motion. <laughs> it's like that. It's like the, the, the right stuff scene where they're holding their moon equipment and walking down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, what what day are you guys arriving in LA? By the way, that is a good. It depends if we leave. It might be. It could be Tuesday or it, Wednesday. or Wednesday. So, so you're either staying Tuesday either. night and Wednesday night. Or, so we have a we have a weekend Wednesday night. We have a weekend event that ends Saturday night at nine, and we'll get back. It's local here. It's it's in Washington, but we're kind of going it's a local. little bit. It's like almost almost kind of camping. So we return to civilization Saturday night, and I don't know if – Chris, do, are you against leaving like in the middle of the day Sunday? Uh, no, I'm not, but it might not do us any good. It might not be beneficial. We might as well just leave. Well, well how long – first of all, I have two questions for you because I didn't think about this. Are, did you just want me along for the company, or do you need me to drive sometimes too? I don't – you can drive part of the time if you want to, but that's not – I just wanted you along for pals. No, I <laughs> I want to be along for pals, but what I'm saying is – and also, there's plenty of spaces on that road we can pull over and no one will know we had sex. Yeah. It's a but, lonely stretch. Which is yeah, also someone the told I me, want to do with you. Someone told me, oh, you're making the drive from here to L.A.? I do not envy you that drive. Is it a shitty drive? It it's, depends. Are you are you going middle of California? Or are you going the yeah? Farm we're gonna go. We're gonna go five. Yeah, you know what though? When Fred and I drove up to to San Francisco a few weeks back or months back, we uh, it was you make it makes for good conversation. You two, I know you guys. When you are just sitting talking, it's gonna be fun. You're gonna have a fine trip. I hopefully will write a shit ton of strips. Is what I'm hoping. Um, yeah, and you will you will see you will never eat a uh, a hamburger again for about five weeks because when you see how cows are treated in the middle of California, you're gonna be like, boo, don't want to eat a burger. <laughs> <laughs> There's this one farm that you pass right in the middle between San Francisco and LA that has about twenty thousand cows and there's no grass and it's like so sad and oh geez Louise, I, Fred and I still talk about it. But um, uh, so okay, so you're possibly gonna be here Tuesday or Wednesday. Should I prepare to get all my work done before you get here, or can we have studio time when you're here? No, I wouldn't mind having studio time at all. Okay, great, because I don't know that I can get everything done before you before because we're gonna go to the NCS weekend and I gotta work ahead. Uh, well, we do too. That's yeah, what we're going to do today and tomorrow. And we're all on, we're all on the same flight to Boston, right? Yep. Yes. That's going to be awesome. And then uh, apparently I am on seven flights back from <laughs> Boston to Seattle. Like I go from Boston to Newark to Maine to Vermont, back to Boston, then to <laughs> Dallas, and then to Seattle. That was, Can you imagine a flight that was so convoluted that you went back to a city? You're like, well, all right, here I'm back again. <laughs> I'm sure they exist. That, that must be arranged. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And, and no one, no one, by, the, by the way, I put it out there, but no reader came forward with a good bar for us to have a meter read up in Boston. So I guess we're not doing that. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, somebody sent me. I'll, I'll send you details. I still hope that we can do it, but I, I, I may have a line on two good places. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. Um, I didn't. I didn't understand on the form. There's the Reuben dinner, right? And then there's a Sunday brunch. Right. But then there was something that said, will you be attending the Goodbye Four Cities Gala? What is that? The Goodbye Four Cities Gala? I don't know. Is that on... Oh, is that the Sunday afternoon one? Maybe that's the thing Jeff Keen was talking about. Um, I don't know. I, the honest to God truth is I haven't pulled out that piece of paper. Let me find it. It's buried in my to-do pile. Anyway, are you guys still... You guys are still pretty hell-bent on going to the Reuben Awards... Right, yeah, I, I yeah, want to yeah. go. You should go. It's kind of it's 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 uh it's fun to see once. Right. Um, let me see. Hold on. I I'll never to... I'll never go again. What else am I going to do that night? Poke around Boston. Well, I mean, you know, we can get drunk and we're going to get drunk at the. Oh, well, tell you what, Friday night Friday night's the night to get drunk. Um, and then 
And then actually Saturday night is the night to get drunk too. <laughs> <laughs> and then now that I'm looking at the schedule, there's chunks of time that they've blocked out for Sunday to get drunk as well. So they specifically say in their drunk block. <laughs> Can you imagine planning a weekend like this where it's like, you know, presentations. Here's Bill Griffith talking about uh, pin, Zippy the Pinhead. Here's, uh, here's a guy talking about editorial card training. Then there's four hours in between to just get drunk. I love that. <laughs> get drunk hey, slash sober. Hey, here, here, here's a good lead-in to, uh, to connect this to next week's Survivor or Survivor's Guilt, Creative Life Guilt. Um, the NCS raises five grand a year for a scholarship. We're raising, we've already raised 40, so Chris and I can (laughs) yank our dicks on a web series. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't think I haven't felt guilty about that. Oh my goodness. God, Chris, I want to make you a happy person. You you have people that love you and want to see more of your art, and they're supporting you financially. That's a good thing. Then you need to tell everybody on Kickstarter who has a a $500 project to give books to lonely children. No, no, no. Here, listen. Who's not going to get their money. You know what what we need to do? We need to start start a a secondary Kickstarter. Once you guys get to the $50,000 that you're raising, the secondary Kickstarter is going to be not monetary at all. It's just emails to you telling you you're a good person. (laughs) No, listen. You're handling your life well. What what do they call it, Chris? They call it aversion therapy? Yeah. Okay. Quick aversion therapy before this episode ends. This is we have fifty thousand dollars to do what we wanted to do, which was ten episodes, pay vantage point ten episodes, and produce a DVD for the people that have ordered it. Right. Right. It's it's we have twenty seven days to go. Penny Arcade hasn't said shit one about this yet, and we're oh. already at thirty six thousand dollars. Thirty six five. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. By the time we're down to the last day, we will have cleared. 70 grand will be 20 grand over. And here's what we're going to do. It's going to go to Vantage Point and Amazon fees and Kickstarter fees and put the money aside for the DVD. And then you and I are each going to take 10 grand and we're just going to fucking get it in ones and fives and we're going to roll in it. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to be going, yeah. And I'm going to be going, oh, (laughs) yeah. And and then we're gonna and then um, we're gonna put it in bags with big dollar signs on them and take turns robbing each other <laughs> big, with big hamburger outfits on. Yeah, <laughs> I like though that Chris would like you would be rolling around the money and Chris would be weeping about total unrelated guilt. He'd be like, "Oh, Bosnia! Oh, <laughs> we're not gonna do any extra episodes. We're not gonna put any special effects. We're not gonna put the money towards guest stars. They, Can they I get tell the." You- can I tell you what I thought of though? And this is this is the honest to god truth. And before uh, my little one comes home, God, by the way, they're late. Um, before my little one comes home, I'm going to throw this out there. After I do the Kickstarter for the documentary, the one thing I want to pitch to you guys is we do a Kickstarter, and don't laugh at this right away. We do a Kickstarter for Web Comics Weekly that raises money so that all four of us could be independently filmed while we're doing these weekly things. And then we do video web comics weeklies where someone, there's a paid editor that edits it all four together. So it cuts back and forth between the four of us. Wow. We could do it. We could, I mean, we could do that. Um, there wouldn't be, have to be a lot of money to get that started just to no. try. The, um, the, the camera the, equipment would not be that expensive. The Twit Network, the Twit Network does it with Skype. Um, just with Skype. Now they have professional cameras in Leo Laporte Studio, but his guests come over to Skype and they have one Mac Pro, like one of the big metal desktops that they've called Skyposaurus. And they have like, I don't know, it was like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment mm-hmm. that gives him buttons he can push and as it, it records the episode and he can flip back and forth with Chirons and everything. Yeah, and well, you know, we've always talked about uh, how would we monetize this podcast. That might be, I mean, beyond taping it and stuff, doing a Kickstarter for this podcast to help us monetize it would not be a bad idea. So anyway, I wanted to throw that out. Everyone that was mad at me for boo-hooing Kickstarter in 2010, I'm on board, kids. (laughs) Don't give me any of this hypocrite bullshit. (laughs) I'm on your side now. You've convinced me. You know what? Copyleft kind of works. (laughs) <laughs> change that name I will not rest until my character Steamboat Millie can use his real name 
Can I tell you though, Brad, regardless of any intellectual ideas around it, I agree with you that the copyleft idea just sounds like the worst. It's just the yeah. worst idea. Creative Commons is a much better idea like encapsulating name. I was that, I was reading concept. I was reading the origins of that and it was some uh software developer who has a joke put on his uh thing in the late 70s. It said copyleft all wrongs reserved. And then there was and then there was another one that was all rights reversed. And then it's it's just kind of risen out of this like thumbing your nose at eh, copyright blah, blah. Well, you guys make fun all you want, but until this copyright shit is resolved, my book, Ricky Mouse and Burlock Momes, meets <laughs> Brankenschmein. Meets the GoBots. Whoops! Oh, <laughs> I got to change it. Oh my god! As, as an intellectual, lightly interfunnier title to tack onto than, than GoBots. That's ridiculous. <laughs> God, that was greatness. No, Let's end it there. The GoBots from stealing Transformers, though. <laughs> That's Meets true. the GoBots. Whoops. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the call from Hasbro to who did GoBots? Can you imagine the call from Hasbro to whoever was doing GoBots? They're like, seriously, you are kidding me right now that you are doing GoBots. You are kidding me, you sons of bitches. How, how do you live with yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You giant Jim, you son of a bitch! I've been least, working on Transformers for six years. At least they could have been boats or or how <laughs> to be cars. Do hey, they? Hey, Chris, you know where copy left would help culture is what? is it would prevent um, Sherry Lewis's daughter from <laughs> wrecking <laughs> all that lamb chop stuff. We could reclaim. That's true. We could put that. We could put lamb chop in the hands of somebody who who reveres the brand. <laughs> I like the idea that there would be such such culturally protective copyright that we could take Star Wars away from George Lucas. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like man. protective nope. services. Oh, oh my G. god! J.J. Abrams or Joss at, Joss Whedon gets it now. Sorry, George, you had a crack at it, but your copyright was too abused. Oh, that would be so great. I, I that's a I, great I, idea, Scott. Copyright protective services, CPS. They come to oh your house, that's, they take your property idea. away. Now, okay, well, you were talking before about where society could benefit. Imagine, though, if every artist had free crack at the Star Wars universe 100 years from now. That would be so fun to read. Come on. You have well, to they, admit that. Well they, awesome. tried, well, they tried that with the expanded universe, and then Lucas said, no. Yeah, listen to this, no, David. Because he doesn't let artists do what they want to do. He's no, very... Dave, it's worse than that. Listen to this, okay? So I didn't know this because I have not followed a lot of the expanded universe, but apparently there's an author, and she took the concept of Mandalorians – and made it awesome, right? Like she wrote these expanded universe books where she went and wrote out what the Mandalorians were, what you know, like Boba Fett was, why they had armor. Right. Um, they are in a. They were this awesome culture. They didn't have their own race. They were all adoptive. They were an adoptive culture. So to become a Mandalorian, you're adopted into it. Okay. And that's why. Um, and that led to why the the Nimodians wanted to clone them because Jango Fett was like their biggest warrior, and so like the first set of clones didn't come out right, and they're these little kids, and she's like, you know, the the, the Nimodian or whatever is like, well, these clones are bad. We should just liquefy them. And he's like, no. And so the guy that was hired to train them, the Mandalorian, adopted them his as his clan. And went and made them this awesome thing called Null Unit. And she, he did all these amazing stories, but or she wrote all these amazing stories and just expanded the concept of Mandalorians out into something cooler than Boba Fett ever was, right? But that even made Boba Fett more cool. And I want to read these books, but... So then the Clone Wars cartoon comes, and Lucas goes, Uh, I want to make Mandalorians this. And it's this dumb, like, Native American thing or something. <laughs> And then he goes, by the way, all that other stuff you wrote doesn't count now. You can't write – and you're not allowed to write any more books about what that concept. In uh, fact, those don't count anymore. And then, and then he looked at her and he went, the planet core, whatever that ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> sounded like Dracula too. I, you know what it is? I, I, you hang out with Malky for even a little bit and he does boss Nass from Star Wars and you just – you find yourself doing it for the next six weeks. He does it so Boom! hilarious. Then a bear popped out. Boom! <laughs> then a bear popped out. Everybody in the house is growling. Malky, right. next time you're at a convention, just ask Malky to do Boss Nass. He does it much funnier. I will. I will. I, I, if he's going to Calgary, I will. 
Oh, Calgary. Yeah, we should mention that, by the way. Oh, we'll be doing one next week. But uh, Scott, Chris, and I, the, really the core of Web Comics Weekly. <laughs> Every, the really important part. The, immens- the emotional center of Web Comics Weekly will be at Calgary, <laughs> Calgary Comic Con. <laughs> Brad, I, I want you to know, we should re- reiterate this every time we do this joke, is that we love you far more than anyone else uh, in this group. <laughs> and that's why we joke. Nope. <laughs> oh, believe me, I get that. <laughs> Listen. Brad's like, Brad's like, oh, believe me, there's no other possibility. Because- oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. David, he's choosing Wizard World Philly over Calgary. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No, wait is, this, a minute. is this truth, I young Geiger? I have to. I, it, it, well, it's it, right there. There's no comparison. I could walk to the convention if I wanted to. In fact, there, it's been a couple of days I have. It, I've got no logistics. I've got no nothing. I just show up. And last year, as much as I, I, I have to say it, fair is fair. Last year, Wizard World Philly was one of my strongest conventions of the year. All right. It just was. I, I, right. there's, I just, as much as I loved Calgary and they, they were so nice. I went to Banff with them and, and had a wonderful time. I, I, I can't say enough good things about them. I, I just, I, I couldn't not do Wizard World Philadelphia. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm nice. gonna do Banff this year too. Are you, Dave? I cannot. I gotta get oh, home. Um, it's uh, gonna but, be uh, me and you, Scott. I got too many, too many trips going on. But Banff shit sounds amazing. Um, my greatest, you know. my greatest memory for 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 the uh, for the uninformed. Uh, after the show, Kandrix takes a bunch of the guests to a mountain lodge in the city of Banff, and my most wonderful memory is uh, it, it, it's Sunday. Everybody has torn down their booths and stuff. We're waiting in the hotel lobby. The bus is late, and I'm sitting there with Chris Russo, Jacob Chabot, and Art Balthazar. Uh, you guys know him from oh, yeah, uh, I know him. like Tiny Titans and so forth, right? Art's a wonderful guy and a nonstop storyteller. And my memory of Banff or waiting for the bus was I was so tired. I, he was talking to me and, I, and, and he's talking and he's telling me the story and it's a great story and I fell asleep. And I woke <laughs> up and he was still talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I nodded off at least twice during this time during this conversation. Were you, were you, and every time I'd wake up and he was still talking. Can I, can I, I round did you have, did can you I have round glasses out? that had eyes painted on the front of them? How did he not know? Can I round out this story actually? Because Brad and I were sharing a hotel room. I don't know where it was. I think it was Seattle. And you know how you do when you've got like two double beds in a dark hotel room and you're sort of – you both sort of have your arms crossed on, on your tummy and you're falling asleep and you're, you're sharing stories. And I'm telling Brad a story and I'm about 10 minutes into it and I – he literally – I'm like and, – and so that's how the dog got saved. And literally as I finish the story, I hear – the son of a bitch <laughs> fell asleep while I was telling a story. <laughs> so the man's tired. It's not uncommon uh, 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 an event. The man right. is super Nobody tired. take it personally. <laughs> um, by the way, we could have launched into the uh, the guilty artist topic because my my sweet wife has not shown up yet. I don't know what happened. That's okay. We can't because I, nope. I got us. Next scoot. week. All right. We, we hemmed and hawed. But anyway. Uh, all right, gentlemen. It was fun. Comics Weekly. Comics Weekly. Out. Thank you, guys. All right. Sounds good. So, guys, give me a call when you when you know when you – 